Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and this week my guest is Sarasota County School Board member Bridget Ziegler. She's also a leader in the Florida Coalition of School Board Members and one of the proponents of a bill moving through the Florida legislature relating to parental rights. It focuses highly on education issues and the roles and responsibilities of parents and school districts in dealing with parents. The bill doesn't have much of a chance of making it all the way through the session this year as it came up late in committee sessions, but it is being postured for further discussion next year. Bridget talks with me today about what she hopes to accomplish with the conversation and where she hopes the state of Florida will go with relation to parental rights. Let's take a listen. So Bridget, I want to thank you for taking some time to talk with us here on the Gradebook Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I look forward to the opportunity. You have been a proponent of this new parental rights bill that it looks like it's actually creating a whole new section of law in Florida. Why is this something that you want? Um, so I'll take a couple from a historical notion uh, in my perspective. I ran for the school board in 2014 um, with one major fundamental component being giving a voice for parents. Um, it has underscored a lot of my, uh, what directs my policy and philosoph- philosophical ideology of what I believe is the role in education specifically, um, that parents really need to be the prim- primary decision makers of their child's education. Um, and, the, and the Parental Bills of Rights obviously expands it a little bit more broad. Uh, they are the primary decision makers when it comes to their child's education, health, and social and emotional well-being. Um, I believe that while, and I'll, I'll speak from more of the perspective as a school board member, because that's what I know, um, Grant uh, also that the, the actual Bill of Rights does reach farther into mental, excuse me, health and some judiciary elements. But um, for me, I believe that we need to have strong partnerships with our schools and parents in order to have the best educational success for our students. But the parents need to be and in the driver's seat and also have a voice in what's going on with their children. Um, as we've seen a number of things, as school districts continually take on more and more of, I would say, sometimes a burden of taking doing additional roles beyond just traditional curriculum education, um, it's even more important that we ensure that there is a two-way communication, including parents or legal guardians, so that, again, they can partner together and work together to make sure that the best decisions are being made for their children. They are minors when they're in our care, custody, and control. Um, and it's important to also note that in the state of Florida, we have a diverse uh, community and we, um, we work with a diverse, they have a diverse set of cultures and religious values. And so we need to be mindful of that. So we always want to be there to ensure that our school districts are one that foster a positive culture, but there should never be a time where parents are shut out of what's going on with their child because I believe 
that hijacks their ability to support their child. And that's kind of where the genesis of this particular bill came about. Now, you're talking about a lot of things that even looking at the bill is already in law somewhere. It says referring to this section of statute this and referring to this section of statute that. Aren't a lot of these rights already enshrined in law? Is there something specific that you're trying to angle at and just that you're... So, yeah. Interestingly enough, so yes, it does reference a number of current laws that are on the books, um, but it does create a, uh, you know, a new section of law that re- in, the, in the intent is to reaffirm the rights of parents as it relates to the upbringing um, of their children. Um, I believe that we are seeing more and more um, various circumstances in which government entities will get in between parents and their children. And so as that continues to grow, there is a belief, and I strongly believe, that there needs to be a, a reaffirmation of the role, the role, the significant role that parents and legal guardians play in their children's lives. When you say that government gets in the way, what does that mean exactly? That they're telling somebody to not do something? or I think, you know, there's a number of scenarios, but and I think one thing that has come up is a really... Uh, important area, to re- especially the timing of this, is if you think about um, post MS, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, post Parkland, uh, there's a large discussion, and rightfully so, on mental health. It's definitely something that we all as a community need to be focused on. And in school districts, definitely, there's a lot of opportunity to identify and, and see certain concerns. And so, therefore, if you read through some of the requirements through the MSC laws, is the risk, uh, the risk assessment. Um, when we're talking about when, when school districts are expanding beyond just the original scope of traditional education and curriculum, and we're bridging in mental health services and counselors, it's, it's critical that we include parents. I can tell you that I have heard, being a school board member, I've heard around other counties, there are times where there's a notion, well, that parent is doesn't understand their child, or that parent doesn't, you know, whatever that they may have some preconceived notion about that parent. Um, however, that's a dangerous place and precedent to set um, when you get into anything relating to mental health, any kind of medical services. It, again, we're talking about minors and families, parents are responsible for their children up until the age of eighteen. So no government entity, as it states in the law, shall or its subsidiary shall interfere uh, and withhold information voluntary or inadvertently. Um, and I think that's very important because there are circumstances that you will absolutely hear words come out of people's mouth where some parents don't know or some parents aren't good parents. or how. And, and there's a number of things that have been said that are alarming. And my question is, is Who's the judge of that? What's that litmus test? And that's why the references that are currently already in statute as it pertains to any time there's a risk of um, negligence or physical or abuse, there are already protocols in place in which that should be what needs to happen. But if you go back and listen to a number of conversations um, in a variety of scenarios, there will be statements of where it appears that the government entity, and I'll just use the school district in this example, has this perception that they know better than the parents and will keep them out of that. And that, again, I think is a very dangerous um, place and uh, for us to go. And that's, I think that's why there's a lot of broad support 
for the reaffirmation of parents' rights as it pertains to their children. It's interesting because I've sat through a lot of discussions recently in Pasco County, and I know you probably had similar ones in Sarasota, relating to transgender students, LGBTQ students, and mm-hmm. and the whole issue of these students wanting to have rights to express themselves, to do things, and not always having their parents know because they're afraid for whatever reason. And, and the argument goes that that they feel more comfortable in a safe place and they don't want their parents to know. What about that whole angle? Well, and I, and I know that has, has certainly been a large part of the, the discussion as, as it pertains to the Parent Bill of Rights. And I would say my answer to that is no one's citing that, a, that the government or the school has to reach out to a student or a family uh, and I think the word has been outing them in that circumstance. It, but but where it comes down to is, if there is an underlying issue or concern of social, emotional well-being and health, that if there is a student that is is expressing concern or fear or a number of other elements, um, that it, it's imperative that a parent be included in that. And and it's, the example that I've often heard is, well, what if the the, the student is fearful that the, the parent won't support them. Well, the question I always have is, how do we know that that's the case? So you, I'll take a middle schooler that may be fearful to talk to their parents about anything, right, because that's of middle school age. Um, and then you can take us have a scenario where a child's actually really struggling. They share some information with their counselor. The counselor identifies that the student may be at risk of harming themselves or need additional medical mental health services. That has to be brought to the attention of the parent so that that parent can properly support that child. Um, I think that circumstances are being used where the parent may not, may be perceived as not being supportive. Um, and that may not even be the case. And all the while, that parent ha- is left in the dark. And as a parent myself, I would be, it would be terrible that I wouldn't be able to be aware of what's going on um, for whatever reason and not be able to support my child. And I don't want any anyone within any government agency uh, making the determination on whether or not I would be supportive of not. Like I said, that's why those statutory references of any negligence or abuse that are already on the books, and there is pract- there's, a, there's a clear path on what to do in those scenarios. Is, is this bill then more directed at government telling them in a school district, for instance, that they need to be responsive to parents? Because myself as a parent... If I want to know my son is in a club, my son is doing this in a class, uh, whatever it is, I send them an email, I call them, I ask them, and generally speaking, they're pretty responsive. They want parents to be involved, it seems like to me. Absolutely. No, and that is fair. And there are certainly, that that absolutely 99% of the time does in fact happen if a parent is reaching out and asks specifically. I think where we get, there's concern is that when Decisions or discussions of, of a serious nature or significant nature um, are taking place and the parent is not included in those discussions. So, and I believe that that is oftentimes, there are scenarios that that could potentially put that child at risk. Uh, and I believe, and that's exactly where a lot of this has come from, is that the more and more we talk through various scenarios, I think, like I said, I think the mental health component, especially as we, as, as, School districts, which is a government entity, expands on uh, addressing things beyond just education. It's imperative that it's not incumbent upon only parents to reach out and ask specific questions. 
if things rise to the level of, of severity, whether it be discipline, academic, or mental and social emotional health, we need to make sure to strengthen that partnership between the school district and parents and reach out to them and share those share that information so that they can work together on, on supporting that child. But at the end of the day, it's up to that parent, that those parents or guardians, to direct what services or support they want to be providing, if that makes sense. It does. What about the parents who make bad choices? And I know that nobody likes to say that they do, but sometimes they just do. They make bad choices, and sometimes it goes against what maybe an educator might think is is useful for a student to grow and become successful. What happens in those instances? That is a great question because I think you hit the nail on the head. And my question, my response to that is, my in, me personally speaking, I may have believed that X parent doesn't do something right because I choose to raise my child in one specific way and they, cha- they choose to do it another way. And I don't, disagree, don't agree with that. But that is not the role of government or a school district, like I said, to determine that unless there's abuse, like I said, or negligence um, in in those circumstances. Because if you use the scenario you just used, my question to you would be, well, how do you determine if they're just not a good parent? And I know, and I'm not blind where I believe that um, there are certainly people who will perceive parents that they could be better parents. But what I worry is that that will be um, quickly rushed to judgment, and that will further hinder a relationship between a family and their child. Um, and I believe that's a dangerous place for it to be. I think if there is any concern that there's certainly resources. I'm very fortunate to live in a county that has tremendous nonprofit support services. And so in any circumstance, like you just stated, what if the parent isn't the best parent? And that's as a teacher, maybe they think that. Well, then... The goal is to raise concerns and notify the parents of some concerns that they may have about the child um, or certain things, their grades are going down and maybe there's some underlying factors and perhaps direct them to resources that are outside of the government that will help them support their child. But again, it's about including the parents into these discussions and not making and not rushing to judgment that they may or may not be bad or good or maybe bad parents. I think that's where there's true danger in that. Um, and like I said, there's a number of different uh, people we, uh, excuse me, there's a number, we have a variety, a very diverse population in our state, in our community, um, that share very different values. But I believe that families are absolutely, it's a God-given right to be, to want to be in charge of the decisions that go on without with, with your child. and. I applaud any school district to help support that child in conjunction with their family. That's the goal. They can, that there's too much concern about it being such that they will rush to judgment and then that parent's left out of the conversation and could actually further cause more damage. So let me ask you about one, you know, it's just in the news right now. We're talking about the whole issue of whether teachers will be part of the armed guardian program in school districts. And I know that that's a, that's a conversation that sort of spun at one point on should parents be allowed to choose to have their children not be in a, a classroom with a teacher who's carrying a gun. Would that fit under your scenario in any way? I think that's a great, 
I mean, actually, I remember seeing that, and I, I believe it was from a critic who often doesn't support the notion of school choice. I believe absolutely parents should have the choice and be aware of that. And that's why if that is something that they're uncomfortable with, if their school district decides that they want to uh, participate in the birding program and expand it to allowing teachers who volunteer as if the bill is in fact passes, um, then I absolutely support any parent um, making making that request. And if that specified school doesn't, that's why I support school choice and school options so that they can find an environment in which they are comfortable with where their child will be able to thrive. I noticed there's another section of the bill that talks about clubs and participation. And that happened to be an issue that came up again in Pasco County because one parent said they wanted to have parental permission slips for anybody to participate in any club. And school board members started raising the issue of what if you require that and then parents don't respond and you have kids who are then aren't able to just even be in the chess club. Is there a way that this bill could correspond and, and make that happen so that way if somebody doesn't respond if a parent chooses not to participate in the conversation their kids aren't left out well there's a there's a key note there and um that it's, it's about parental notification and so making sure that parents are aware so let's use a club for example um making sure that they're aware that their child wants to join the chess club or in the french club but um and I've heard the fact that if, if, a, if a parent isn't able to respond and then they are, and then that hijacks, I guess, the student's ability to participate in said club, well, we also have liability issues. Anything that's, that's sponsored by the district um, would often require, think about a field trip or a number of other things that do, in fact, require a parent to consent to that. I don't see why, with, you know, where is the difference in, in my mind? That would be my question. So it... it it, it should be across the board. Um, and again, the role is to make sure that a family member is aware and supportive and, and is able to be um, involved in what their child is doing uh, during school. And that, so, so to me, I think that in the event, it would be no different if a child wanted to go to go on a, a field trip. I mean, there's a number of things that we require parents to sign off on. Um, and it would be no different of a scenario in, in these cases. Now, I know this bill came up kind of late in the game as far as committee hearings go, so it doesn't look likely to move all the way through this time. Is this just laying the groundwork for the next session? Well, so yes, I, I did come out late, and this is definitely a packed session. I see how late this they're running, so um, I believe that it's very unlikely that it will make it all the way through um, this session. But absolutely, uh, we'll be reintroducing it um, at, the, at, the at the beginning of next session in the event it doesn't go through this session. Um, and again, I think it's, it's a well-needed um, piece of legislation that reaffirms the rights of parents. And, there, and, and I, you know, one other thing I also added, it's not just the rights, it's also the responsibilities. It reaffirms the roles and responsibilities of parents. And to ensure that they are the ones guiding um, their child's uh, education, uh, mental health, making sure they're involved. Because the more we separate parents from decisions in critical discussions about their children, the, the, the bigger concern, the bigger role government will play. And we constantly talk about, um, specifically in school districts, that they are tasked with doing so many things. Well, we need to, we need to make a 
a uh, responsive approach about ensuring that parents are involved and recognize their role um, as the primary decision maker for their children as well. So I think it goes both ways. And I think it sends a great message to people across the state that Florida is someone that supports families, supports their rights, supports their roles. And um, that's why I, I'm very excited about this piece of legislation. Well, I really look forward to hearing what happens next. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. My pleasure. Anytime. I appreciate you covering it. Have a great day. That's the end of our conversation and the end of our podcast. If you'd like to chime in with your views, please go to our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook, where you can make your comments right underneath this podcast on the post. To keep up on the latest in Florida education breaking news, please be sure to visit our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. We appreciate you listening to the podcast and always look forward to hearing your thoughts and ideas, as well as possibilities for future topics. Please send me an email and also feel free to add a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.